are so glad you are here today. We have been in uh, the middle of a series called Fixer Uppers, um, realizing and discovering that we're all fixer uppers. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, even you. I love it when I do that because husbands start laughing at their wives. Okay, so turn the other direction and say, yeah, even you. So wives, now you do it back. We're all fixer-uppers. And, and, and here's the thing that I am loving so much about this opportunity is every time that Jeff and I get to stand up here with you, I love it so much because for me, preaching is not at you, it's with you. Because I love to learn with you what God says about all of these different topics. I don't know about you, but I haven't been able to get generosity off my mind. I have not been able to get courage off my mind. And today, one of my favorite topics is really, truly talking about what it means to really love. And some of y'all, are, don't, don't worry, it's not going to be the normal. Oh, great. We get to hear about this again. But I promise you, there's something at a deeper level today that you will get, I believe, with all my heart as we dive into love today. So I'm going to let Jeff start, though, with the fun part. Lust. How's that? Lust. Yeah, I didn't know there was an option. Uh, I was just told lust. (laughs) You're talking about lust today. I know know every Sunday morning you wake up and think, I'm going to church today. I hope today's the day they talk about lust. (laughs) Well, if that's your hope, today's the day. So congratulations for being here. Um, We're going to start with this scripture from Matthew, which uh, when we talk about lust, this is the one we read. You have, Matthew 5, 27 through 28, you have heard that it was said, <clears throat> don't commit adultery. But I say to you that every man who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in his heart. Now, I remember this scripture uh, from when I was a teenager, probably, and thinking, I think this scripture was written strictly for teenage boys and girls. I just, they told it to us, they read it to us, just to keep us in check, right? Don't do that. Don't look at her. Don't look at him that way. And I remember thinking they might as well just hand the scripture out with, you know, some blinders because I didn't know how, <laughs> how are teenagers, how is anyone supposed to walk through life and not, not look at someone else, not appreciate them, not be attracted to them, not even desire them. It didn't seem realistic to me. So as I've grown older and matured a little bit and looked at this a little more clearly, I realized that's not what the scripture is saying. It's not saying we can't be attracted to someone or appreciate someone's beauty or even desire someone else. That's not what the scripture says. It says, don't lust after someone. If you lust after someone, if you lust after another woman, you're you're committing adultery in this situation. He could have easily have said, don't uh, lust after your neighbor's Lamborghini or you've committed theft in your mind. But he said, don't lust. And so what that tells me is that there is a difference between lust and desire. There's a difference between lust and attraction. There's a difference between lust and appreciating something else. So it's okay for me to like those shoes. No, that's lust. (laughs) So there's a fine line between desire and lust. But there is a difference. I don't believe it. (laughs) Our second scripture today is one that you will recognize. A lot of times we use this scripture in weddings um, more than probably anywhere. And we did a whole series on this chapter, but it comes from 1 Corinthians 13, 1. And it says, if I speak in tongues of human beings and of angels, but I don't have love, guess what I am? 
I am a clanging gong or a clashing cymbal. So that means I'm just rhetoric. I'm just noise. If I walk around and I don't have love, I am simply noise. This is probably one of, I think, the most overlooked scriptures when I think about it because it doesn't say if you love sometimes or if you have a little bit of love, it says love. That's it. If you don't have it, then this is what you are. For today, how we approach many things in life, I think sometimes is like a clanging gong or that crashing cymbal. I think sometimes we walk around because we have judgment and we have things in our life um, that we think are right or we think are wrong, but we walk around as a clanging symbol instead of that approach for love. So today what we want to do is we want to talk a little bit about love and lust and what is the difference? What is the difference? Because you're one or the other, right? The Bible just told us if I don't love that I'm a lot of noise. So, lust. I get all the lust ones. Lust. You, you, know, you didn't say it like DJ did. Though. I that can't was, do it. Yeah. I can't do it. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. It's a little creepy. Uh, <laughs> lust is driven by a desire for power. Uh, we talked about um, greed a few weeks ago, and today we're talking about lust. And, and lust and greed are kind of uh, like uh, kissing cousins. You know, a real close to each other, a little bit gross. Um, but lust is about, greed is about wanting more of what you already have a lot of. Lust is about using your power to get something that you don't have, or maybe something you don't deserve, or maybe something that doesn't belong to you to begin with. Um, you know, we're in this, this period of our society, this Me Too movement that's come up about people who have used their power to fulfill their desires, to fulfill their lust. I remember uh, it's been a couple years ago now when, when all these stories about Bill Cosby started coming out. And I remember I was honestly devastated <laughs> by those stories. I would tell Dee Dee, this can't, you know, it, it would start. I would tell Dee Dee, this, this can't be true. This is, this is Fat Albert. This and is Dr. Huxtable and the nice sweaters and mm-hmm. the pudding pops. This can't be true. <laughs> and the more and more and more and more it came out, you found out we didn't really even know who this man was. And since then, it's, he was kind of the precursor to this whole movement. We've heard more and more stories about people who use their power to fulfill their desires and to fulfill their lust. Um, wines, uh, all of them. I, I've got a list here somewhere. Um, there you go. Weinstein. Right. Mm-hmm. Harvey Weinstein, Bill O'Reilly, Les Moonves, R. Kelly, Al Franken, Donald Trump, Bill Clinton, Eagle Opportunity, uh, Bill Hybels, Mario Batali. So from all walks of life, entertainment, media, chefs, pastors, since April 2017, there have been more than 260 people in entertainment, business, media, politics who have been named in this Me Too movement. But as we've looked at these more and more, uh, we realize as we've heard these stories more and more, we've realized it's less about their lust, their physical lust, their desire for these women or men. It's more about their need for power. It's more about them having power and abusing that power because they want to hold someone else down and to hold them back and to degrade them and to prove their own worth. When desire 
becomes lust is when we use our power to hold someone else back or to degrade them or to fulfill our own needs at their expense. So if lust is driven by power, then I think love is driven by passion. Think about that. If lust is driven by power, then love is driven by passion. So let me be clear. We all know that cute person across the room. Maybe the person you're sitting next to now, but there was a moment you thought, I got to meet that person. Or I got to have those shoes. (laughs) It's always about the shoes. Always. Passion comes from the core of who you are. You were born with something to be passionate about. And, and, and a lot of times when you discover passion, it's something that, that you have had within you your whole life. And it slowly grows and it gets deeper and it gets deeper. It's been birthed in you since the day you were born, something that you're passionate about. And I believe that, that, that passion comes from knowing what it means to genuinely reach out and know what it means to have the fullness of love. When you love something, when you're passionate about something, you want everything in that to be right. I'm a worship pastor, and I have to tell you that everything worship, I want it right. I want it right for when Pastor Stan gets up here. I want it right for when the musicians get up here. I want it to sound right when you walk in the door. I want it to look right. And not because I want to put on a show, because I believe God deserves the best. God doesn't deserve halfway people. God deserves all that we have, not a portion. And so for me, I'm passionate about that. I'm passionate about that. And that has been something I have been passionate about since I was a little girl. And I went and I saw a program at Christ for the Nations. And I remember thinking that was really nice. But there are these things they could have done a little bit better. They could have stepped up and and, and they do. They do now. But I was a little kid then. But it's something that I was passionate about because I love, I love, I love when lives are changed through worship. When lives are changed, you walk in and you're heavy. And, you're, and I've been that way. I've walked in here at times and, and, and I have been so heavy that I thought, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to hold my head up today. And worship begins and what happens when worship happens? You can't worry anymore. Isn't that what we discovered a few months ago? I can't worship and worry at the same time. Because then that passion proceeds to come out for me. Then all of a sudden, there's no room for lust. There's no room for those things in my mind that need to take over because then I've gotten back to what I'm passionate about. There's no room for anything else to take over. Because passion and the love for what I'm doing and the love for what I'm feeling for that person or what I'm working at, that's all I have room for. So lust is lazy. Um, a, a healthy desire for something can turn to lust out of sheer laziness. When there's something we want and we take the shortcut to get there, it becomes lust. When we don't put the effort in for something that's worth our love, it becomes lust. You know, it's a whole lot easier to just uh, go to the bar, meet someone, and go home with them than it is to put the time in to get to know them, to build a relationship with them to know what their needs are, to know what their desires are, for them to know what my needs are and to know what my desires are so that we can share those together and build a relationship that's based on love Mm. instead of lust. 
But lust isn't just about physical things that we've talked about a little bit. Uh, more in the news, uh, all these parents who are paying and making bribes to get their kids to go to college. It's a lot easier to pay a bribe if you've got it to send your kid to college than to help your co- kid study or to teach your co- kid what it means to work hard to get something. It's a lot easier to bribe someone to say, put my kid in this school so that we can be at the right school so that we have that prestigious name and that prestigious diploma on the wall than to teach your kid, you know what? You're gonna have to take these steps. You didn't make it in high school. You're gonna have to go here. You're gonna have to do this to get into that school. It's a whole lot easier to make that payment. Desire becomes lust when we take that shortcut, Mm. when we're lazy about putting the effort in, about making the work to make whatever that desire is really worthwhile. So if lust is lazy, then I believe love is inspiring. Because what love does is that love inspires us to act on what we know and where we are in that situation. So like I said, for me, I became a worship pastor because that's been something that has been something I have loved my whole life. Not just singing a song, but seeing lives change through that. But recently... I read a story, I had to tell you, that inspired me when I thought about love is not for the weak of heart. Love is not for the weak. It takes effort and it takes time and it takes everything within you sometimes to love. I'm not talking about you. <laughs> Some days. No. <laughs> but I was reading this story of this young couple. They are... Uh, 30 years old. They've been married five years. Maybe some of you have read this story, but I I said, and I wept when I read this story. A Navy SEAL comes home to be with his beautiful wife. They get married. Two years after they're married, he's in a horrific car accident. A car accident that would leave him in a state of coma for months. She happens to be a Pilates instructor. And so because of that, she every single day of her life goes in to rehab and helps her husband become the person he used to be. There are days that he couldn't say a word. And what got me the most, Jeff, in the story is she said, what I miss the most is that I just wanted to hear him say I love you. And he wasn't even able to talk to me. I just wanted him to be able to reach out and hold my hand. And he couldn't even move his arm. And so not long ago, this really cool video comes out. Because I've been keeping up with the story. This really cool video comes out when they're at rehab. And he's standing up. And he was able, what is the first thing he does? Is he walks up. And he kisses her. So as soon as he could, as soon as he could, he walks up and he kisses her. And I thought to myself, that's love. And she says, I know, I know that the person that I married, I know that the person that I fell in love with, he's in there. I know he's in there. And so every day I'm going to work and do my best to make sure that person becomes as whole again as he can be. There's nothing in there that's lazy about that. 
There's nothing in her everyday ritual of loving this person. And we think love every day of what we do is hard. I cannot imagine what that would mean. But she says, I love him. I love him. Love is inspiring. Love inspires us to do more. Love inspires us to know that it's never enough just to say it, but we got to do it. It inspires us. So lust is taking. And we talked about those uh, people a few minutes ago that have grown into this Me Too movement and these parents who are bribing schools uh, to take their kids to school. But, but lust isn't just for the rich and powerful. Mm-hmm. Lust results in some of the worst kinds of taking that exist. Every 98 seconds, someone is sexually assaulted in the United States. More than 17% of women and 3% of men in the United States will be sexually assaulted in their lifetime. Statistics of sexual assault by members of the LGBTQ plus community are higher than in any other part of our population. Sexual harassment and assault is when we invade someone else's space and take what isn't ours to be taken. When we allow our desires to lead us to take something that's not ours from someone else, that's lust. When we allow our desires to overwhelm us so much that we think it's our right to take something, anything, from someone else, that's lust. Lust is about taking someone's humanity, someone's dignity, someone's self-confidence, so that they walk away a different person and not better than when we met them. So if lust is taking, and I believe love is giving. Love is never about taking. Love is always about giving. It's always being self-aware to say, what is the need around me? Not just by the people I love the most, but what is the need around me? Because God says, if you want to do what I need you to do, then go feed my sheep. God says, if you want to do what I want you to do, then you love your neighbor as yourself. That caused an amen and nobody said that. Where are you, Randall? If you want to do what I want you to do, then you love your neighbor as yourself. God didn't say love them if they're like this or love them if they're like that or love them when they get whole, whatever that means, because I'll never know what being whole complete means. He said, love your neighbor. That's, that's it. You love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. And then you love your neighbor. As yourself. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Lynn. Love is always about giving. And this is something I've had to stop and think about because when Jeff and I first got married, I said, honey, I said, what do you, like if you describe love, I said, what? What do you do? And he, you know, how do you describe that? He said, honey, it's always putting that person before yourself. And sometimes in life, that's not easy. Sometimes in life, that means loving people who don't love us, people that are mean to us, people that are cruel to us, people that do things where they go behind your back and you have to sit there and just smile and grin. 
Because God says, love your neighbor, even when they're not very neighborly. Because you know why? Because he loved in a way that we will never understand. He loved in a way that would be life-changing for us all. He loved in a way that would set an example that is hard to follow, but it is the example. He loved in a way when he knew his own people would kill him. It was church folk. It was church folk. Put him on the cross and said, let's let the thief go and we'll put Jesus there. If lust is driven by power and love is passion, and if lust is lazy and love is inspiring, and if lust is taking and love is giving, why do we find ourselves so often pulled from desire to lust? And why are we so often confused into believing that someone's lust for us is actually love? Can I ask that again? Why are we so often confused into believing that someone's lust for us is actually love? Too often we don't believe we are worthy of that love. As a result, we look for the easy way. And what did we find? Lust is lazy. Or we abuse our power to get what we want and we just take it. After all, we think if we don't take it, who's going to love us anyway? And if we don't believe we are worthy of love, then we're much more likely to believe that the person who belittles or demeans us (laughs) makes us just feel okay anyway. We think it's all right. Because we believe that that's just the way it's supposed to be because we don't even see our own worth. We don't see ourselves the way that Jesus sees us. We've let the world tell us that because of who we love is wrong. We've let the world tell us because of I'm 4'11 and got purple hair, that's crazy. I'm okay. I'm going to own my crazy because Jesus made me this way. Maybe not the purple hair. (laughs) But we've come to this place of believing that our worth matters because of how someone treats us. And that's not it. Our worth matters because Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. And he said, it is finished. And when he said, it is finished, it's over. There is nothing you have to do to earn that. It has been freely given to you. And that is a love that no one can take from you. That is a love that the world cannot tell you you don't deserve. That is a love that the world cannot tell you that belongs to someone else. That love belongs to you as much as it does the other person. Because here's the deal. I will say this every week until everybody gets it. God has no favorites. God has no favorites. And some of you are in situations where you know it's not the right place. And you know you're not loved. But you just feel this is what you deserve. I'm different. I'm not what the world says I should be. Or maybe you're just tired. But when we really know God, when we really know God, we know love. 
We're never alone. We are worthy of respect. Our lives have value. When we really know God, we know love. Jeff and I today have thought about this a lot because at first we were like, "Mm -hmm, there's a reason Stan's not here today. (laughs) I know what he's doing. And then the more that we dove into this, the more we were like, eye-opening to learn this with you. We hope that you come away from today knowing that you are loved, that you are fully accepted and loved, and in a way that no one else can love you. God loves you so much that he sent his only son. And then he said not only that, but here's the deal. You're never, ever going to be alone again. You don't have to be a victim of someone else's lust. You can be that person that is fully loved. You don't have to be that victim of those that don't see your worth. Because if they don't see your worth, that's not on you. That's on them. If they don't see the value that you can bring to the table, if they don't know the love of God all over you, that's not on you. That's them not paying attention. That's them being lazy, right? Or needing the power. That's them taking. But God said, I'm going to give you a love that will give to you. I'm going to give you a love that will inspire you. And I'm going to give you a love that will bring a passion for you to use. And today as we close, I want to do something a little bit different. Because we've got something really cool we're about to do. But I want you to stand with me today. And I want you just to take the person's hand next to you. And if you don't have someone by you, I want you to find someone. I know if you're visiting us with us today, we don't usually do this. I'm not trying to scare you. But here's what I want you to know is that in this room, every single time you walk in this room, you are loved. And those aren't words, those are facts. Every time you walked in this room, what I want you to know is that you have a place that is safe. You have a place of knowing that I may not understand what's going on in my life at work or at home right now or in my family. But what I do know is what's going on right here. And I know that Jesus loves me. Because the greatest example of true love was him. He even said, hey, look, Father, if this can pass by, I'll be okay with that. But it didn't happen because he loved you. He loved you just like you are. And so today what I want to do is I want to say a prayer, and I want you to pray for that person on your right, and I want you to pray for that person on your left, whether you know them or not, because you don't know what their situation is. You don't know what they're, but what I want you to pray, whatever you say, what I want you to end with is, Father, let them know they are loved. Let them know they are loved.
Father, I lift up every single person in this room. And Father, what can be lust and tragedy and a lot of taking, a lot of lazy actions, God. Those that are hungry for power, God, you can take that and you turn it into something amazing. We're all fixer-uppers. And maybe today, God, we just needed the gentle nudge of knowing, God, it takes work. It takes work to love. When we don't feel it, when we don't hear it, when we don't see it, God, we have to live by knowing it. And so, Father, to our right and to our left, let them know, God, they are loved. They matter. They are worthy. Thank you, God. give you glory and we give you honor in your precious and your holy name.